0: of those listeners out there on the plains. This is Eamon Smith here with Kicking Ice coming to you live from the Bradley Bateson studio. I'm excited to talk to you all today about some Auburn hockey. We've got a great show lined up for you. Some NHL talk. We've got our one big story of the day, some around the league, some SECHC news for Auburn club hockey. And then finally, a nice interview with Auburn club hockey player and star Noah Henry tied for the team lead in points. Let's just dive right in. First off, we've got our one big story from the NHL. So, Jack Eichel, longtime Buffalo Sabre, drafted second overall by the franchise, supposed to be the savior of the team. Ends up having some neck issues. The team won't let him get the surgery that he wants. There's a dispute that comes out of this, along with probably the fact that the Buffalo Sabres have been terrible for the majority of Eichel's tenure. Eichel ends up wanting out. There's a long saga over the past few months that occurs because he wants out, the team won't trade him. He lowers his trade value. Finally, we have seen a conclusion come to this story. The Vegas Golden Knights have traded a package for Jack Eichel, including Alex Tuck, 25-year-old forward, good power forward, scores a decent clip every single season. That's a solid piece. Peyton Krebs rated the number 11 overall prospect drafted into the NHL currently by EliteProspects.com, a future first rounder and a future second rounder. The Sabres sending back a future third rounder along with Eichel in that trade package. The way that those first and second round picks will work, first round pick, if Vegas ends up with a top 10 pick this year, the Sabres get a first rounder in 2023. And if Vegas ends up not being a top 10 pick, it's a 2022 first. So first round pick in this upcoming draft. The same rules apply to the second rounder included in this package too, but it delays by a year. So that second round pick, if Vegas ends up having a top 10 selection this year, will be in 2024. If not, will be in 2023. Interesting package for the Sabres coming back this way. And I know that a lot of Buffalo fans probably are getting some PTSD from when Ryan O'Reilly was traded a while ago. For those who don't remember, Ryan O'Reilly says that He lost his love for the game while playing in Buffalo after enduring two losing seasons, gets shipped to St. Louis for a package of B-tier prospects, including Tage Thompson, who has been a not very good NHLer so far, and Patrick Berglund, among other just random assortment of pieces that were included there one of those deals where at the moment it was made, you go, ah, that doesn't seem like great value coming back the other way for Buffalo, but maybe we'll see. Tage Thompson could turn out to be something. And then Ryan O'Reilly goes on to win the Selkie Trophy and the Conn Smythe as the playoff MVP, winning the Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues that season following. So Sabres fans, I can understand your apprehension coming into this trade. A couple key differences here. One, Jack Eichel was not going to stay, regardless. Ryan O'Reilly, obviously a, a tough situation, says he doesn't love playing the game anymore, that he might retire from hockey. But that's one of those deals where the Sabres were still kind of early on in their tanking, rebuilding, being a mess state. They weren't that far removed from being a playoff team. So you could maybe coax the guy to stay, especially if the franchise made some key additions in the offseason. season Instead, they trade him for B-tier prospects. In this trade, you have a guy who was not going to be sticking around regardless, no matter what was happening. I mean, the situation had become irreversible. Eichel not being able to get the medical procedure that he wanted with the team, that's just not something that could be overcome through talks. This is his opinion and his family's opinion and his agent's opinion. And his personal doctor's opinion of what would be best for his well-being he could have suffered some chronic pain issues if he hadn't been allowed to get this experimental procedure that had never been performed on a hockey player before at the sabers obviously a little bit worried about the repercussions thinking he might never play again so that's just not a situation that could have been resolved between the two sides on the other hand too we have that buffalo is getting back a borderline top 10 nhl prospect in peyton krebs who I loved coming out of the NHL draft a while ago playing for the Winnipeg Ice. It's not been a great team recently, but he had a scorching stretch in the WHL last year. One of the best players in juniors. You might question a little bit, okay, if he's so good, why is he not playing for a Vegas team that is in desperate need of cheap, effective center depth? But we've seen Vegas also sort of juggle WHL centers in particular. That have high draft pedigree up between the NHL and the AHL regularly, not giving them a whole lot of great developmental positioning or playing time. Uh, Specifically, I'm referring to Cody Glass, who was recently traded to the Nashville Predators. We have no track record of knowing that Vegas can develop prospects effectively. They've basically traded away anything they've had in their farm system and going all out for this Stanley Cup pursuit. So it's a little difficult for me to say that Peyton Krebs is not going to be good. He's a very talented playmaker, speedy guy, smart player. I think he'll be a top six forward at the bare minimum. Worst case, middle six forward, productive guy in the lineup. So not a bad guy for Buffalo to get out of this. And then also you get Alex Tuck, who is a 50 to 60 point player every year. Good on the power play, power forward, gritty guy, still young at 25, the same age as Jack Eichel, a lot cheaper than Jack Eichel too. Obviously, he's not a superstar caliber player like Eichel was, but that is a solid piece to add to a top six that seems to be meshing pretty well together, especially with the additions of guys like Asplund, um, Jeff Skinner rounding back into form, and then you have Jack Quinn on the way too. So this is a Sabres team up front that might see some nice improvement over the next few years as some of these young guys start to come up through the system. And then those picks, obviously... Could turn into something nice. They could just end up turning into absolutely nothing. Who knows? Draft picks are like magic beans. That's the way that they go. But not an awful trade for the Buffalo Sabres. I'm a little bit surprised. I thought that Jack Eichel's trade value would be lower at this point. There was a leak, probably from the Sabres, about a potential trade involving Matthew Kachuk and Sean Monahan from the Calgary Flames. The Flames are going to have to pay all of those players, might. Be best served by jettisoning some salary, but ends up going to the Vegas Golden Knights. Peyton Krebs appeared to be the sticking point in this trade. And now we finally have an end to this saga. Vegas having a rough beginning to the season, but they get a young superstar talent to add to that insanely good forward core. Hopefully, they can get healthy. They'll be a very good hockey team if they can. Moving on to some around the league stuff to wrap up this NHL segment at the start of the show. The Panthers and the Hurricanes, still the two best teams in the NHL coming out of the South, non-traditional markets. You love to see it. The Panthers led by that electric scoring attack up front, but also a very solid underrated defense with Mackenzie Wegar and Aaron Ekblad. Also have Radko Gudis there on the back end. Just a good overall team. They've been through a rough stretch lately, not in terms of on-ice results, but just off the ice because they lost their head coach, Joel Quenville, which... I mean, deserved. He was involved with the entire Chicago Blackhawks fiasco, scandal, travesty. Was directly involved in Kyle Beach's sexual assault perpetrated against Kyle Beach. Uh, Perpetrated by a video coach, Brad Aldrich, being covered up. Joel Quenville prioritized winning above the health and safety of one of his players. He should never coach in the NHL or in hockey again. But the Panthers keep on chugging along. Good for them good for them to show that they are more than their coach and that they were not a product of him. The Hurricanes, honestly, a big surprise to me. I had them pegged as taking a step back this season after they shifted some pieces around, lost a couple of guys. Dougie Hamilton departs and goes to New Jersey. Their goaltending becomes even a little bit more uncertain. They bet on Frederick Anderson, who had been rough in Toronto for a little bit. So Good to see that Carolina is still performing well and towards the top of the league, leading the Metropolitan Division, which is the toughest division in hockey. So no small accomplishment for them there. They're a really good team, really young. Uh, Hope that they keep chugging along. Next thing on the docket here, Connor McDavid scored maybe the most unbelievable goal I've ever seen in my life. It was ridiculous. For those who haven't seen it, go look it up. He walks through about five New York Rangers skaters before tucking one past. I believe it was Igor Shesterkin was in net. Go look that up. Alex Ovechkin tied Brett Hull for the fourth most goals in NHL history yesterday. So big achievement for the grade eight. Hope he keeps moving up that leaderboard. For your three stars of the week, Leon Dreisaitl for the Edmonton Oilers. Five goals, five assists, and 10 points in his last three games played. 23 points in 10 games for him. The best start for any player since Mario Lemieux in 2002-2003. The Oilers are must-see hockey. They're box office. They play more electrifying uh, style than anybody else in the league. They score more. They're unbelievable. So absolutely, if they're on ESPN or ABC or whatever, you got to throw them on. Uh, second star of the week, Jack Campbell for the Toronto Maple Leafs, 3-0-0 with a .99 goals allowed average and a 968 save percentage with a shutout. The Leafs getting back into it this week after a really tough start to the season. Jack Campbell, big soup, has been great for them. They call him Soupy, obviously, because of that last name. The Maple Leafs have been without stable goaltending for a lot of this recent Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Taveras tenure. That might be the piece that they're missing. Hopefully, Jack Campbell is that guy for them going forward. Last start of the week, but not least, John Gibson for the Anaheim Ducks going 2-0-0 with a .50 goals allowed average and a nine eighty four save percentage with one shutout. Gibson always tends to come out gangbusters at the beginning of the year. This is the best Ducks team we've seen in recent memory. He finally has a little bit of a defense in front of him, hopefully with some added support. He won't see that back half decline that he's seen in recent years. John Gibson is an immensely talented goaltender, the rock for the Anaheim Ducks. He deserves better than what they have been giving him in the past few seasons. And this Ducks team might be well on their way to finally giving that to him. Moving on from there, the Chicago Blackhawks fired head coach Jeremy Colliton and promoted their AHL affiliate head coach, Derek King, to the NHL head coaching job and then went on to win their second game of the season against the Nashville Predators in an overtime thriller that overtime game-winning goal by Alex DeBrinket from the pass of Patrick Kane. Just a beautiful goal. Even as somebody who pulls for the Predators, you have to appreciate the beauty of that play. Tough loss for Nashville, who are a tough team to figure out this year. They've had some very good games. They've also looked awful for a lot of the year. Very congested style of play, not an entertaining team to watch. So, I wouldn't expect a huge turnaround from the Blackhawks. They've got a lot to figure out still, but maybe trending in the right direction with that coaching change. Patrick Laine will be missing four to six weeks with an oblique strain for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Unfortunate for them. They've started seven and three. Nobody expected them to be too good this season. So good for them. And then Derek Brassard of the Philadelphia Flyers was fined around $2,000 after punching Washington's Garnet Hathaway from the bench in a game against the Washington Capitals. Pretty funny stuff. And our last anecdote on here, we've got Brady Kachuk being named the captain of the Ottawa Senators. That's the first captain for the Sens since 2018, when Eric Carlson was traded to the San Jose Sharks. Also, in additional Kachuk news, we have Matthew Kachuk pulling off another beautiful between the legs goal to beat the New York Rangers. Just incredible stuff from him. That's, I believe, the second or third time he's done that in his career. Rough week for the Rangers, but a very good week for the Kachuk brothers. And that'll wrap up your Around the League rundown for this week. When we come back, we will have an SECHC news rundown. Welcome back from the break. We've got some SECHC news to go over just Around the League from the weekend. We'd like to do a rundown on this show just like we do with the NHL in that previous segment. So the Auburn Tigers took on the Georgia Ice Dogs in Columbus, Georgia in the border war on this past Friday. Tough loss for the Tigers there. This was a very physical game. Lots of penalties, a decent amount of scoring. There were some extracurriculars after the whistle, guys talking to each other, a little bit of chippiness. Uh, You're not allowed to fight. In the SEC HC much like you're not allowed to fight in the NCAA but saw a little bit of you know some pleasantries being exchanged behind the net and around the goalie after some plays so definitely a heated game Auburn goes up 2-0 in this game in the first period two really early goals one off the stick of Michael Lafferty great young defenseman, had a kind of difficult start to the season, but now has four points in his last two games, one goal, three assists. Really great start for him. He's now towards the top of the team in scoring. And I've loved what I've seen from him in terms of activating on offense as a defenseman, making sure that he's being active there, but then also uh, just being a good, responsible player on defense, making sure that he's pushing people wide with speed in the zone rather than letting them kind of step up on him and try a move, maybe get inside positioning on him, something that we saw a little bit earlier in the season. So big credit to Lafferty. He's obviously been working hard in practice and excellent young player, hopefully a cornerstone for this Auburn team. The captain, Blake Robeson, gets Auburn's second goal of the period to put them up to nothing, outworking three Georgia defenders and finding a rebound to put it in the back of the net. Great stuff from him. Now tied for the team lead in scoring, but not a guy who's really, I guess, synonymous with personal accolades on that team, even if he is a very good scoring player. Blake Robeson, number 16 for the Tigers, a guy who is a bring your lunch pill to work type player, hard worker, hard on the forecheck on every single play, trying to win puck battles, very physical, uh, hard-nosed guy willing to get to the dirty areas in front of the net and do what needs to be done. So, great start for Auburn. Second period, Georgia roars back, scoring two goals. One of them, a floater from the top of the zone, point shot, just a turnaround, throw it on net kind of play for Georgia. Cam Dank, Auburn goaltender who's been so solid this entire year, probably one he wishes he had back, just not paying attention or didn't see that shot coming Uh, probably should have had that one, unfortunately. But uh, the second goal of the game for the Georgia Ice Dogs, uh, a rebound put home, looked like a deflection in front, might have been potentially an own goal, but credited to Georgia anyways, ties the game there. And then third period, mostly uneventful, Auburn pushes back a little bit and starts to take control of play. The final for shots in this game, were 28 to 14 in terms of shots on golf with Auburn leading that statistic. But Georgia in overtime, three on three overtime, clearly the dominant team winning with skill puts the puck in the back of the net to win it. Tough loss for Auburn at home in front of a very rowdy group of fans. Uh, saw some other fun stuff at that game too. Uh, fans broke a stanchion at the Columbus Civic Center. Uh, banging on the glass so hard, uh, really giving it to some Georgia players. The Georgia players after the game gave uh, gave it right back, came up to them and made sure to let them know. But excellent atmosphere out there. You can listen to the playback of that game on 91.1 Weagle's YouTube channel. Game called by myself and also Mr. Jacob Guns on play-by-play. Awesome game definitely one that is worth going back and listening to. And then there's a video attached to that too, video stream. So uh, Auburn drops to 3-1-2 in league play this year in the Collegiate Hockey Federation and 2-0-2 in conference play. Meanwhile, the Georgia Ice Dogs clearly atop the conference at 10-2 and overall in the year, standing alone, class of the league, uh, or at least class of the SEC HC. So, Tough opponent for Auburn to lose to in that rivalry game, the border war, uh, right on the border of Alabama and Georgia, but nonetheless, a quality opponent and a good example of how this is a quality Auburn team that can really hang with just about anybody on any given night. Heading to some other teams, we had Lynn going down against MTSU in a sweep in Antioch TN. The... Blue Raiders are 5-5 five and five on the season, but they've been really hot lately, coming off of sweeps against Vanderbilt and now Lynn. So 1-4 start to the season, really quickly corrected by a strong rebound recently. The Blue Raiders, not a team to look over if you're in the SEC HC. They fight hard. They can score with the best of them. They're not exactly top tier in terms of established talent but certainly a team that has a decent shot of making the postseason bracket this year in Huntsville. FAU tied the ERAU Eagles in the Eagles' nest down in Daytona, Florida, 3-3 before finishing out the weekend in a 7-6 win, a barn burner there. Uh, the Owls, newcomer to the conference, only recently joined. I believe they came into the SECHC last season but already a powerhouse team top four in the conference nationally ranked in division two by the collegiate hockey federation as the number 10 team in the country. That's a big deal for a program. That's pretty young, very talented group, Florida, obviously a recent hockey hotbed with the Tampa Bay lightning winning back to back cups. And they've had Tampa and Florida since the nineties, but, uh, Good for the Owls and good for all of the folks associated with them. They're doing a great job down there, and they're looking to make the playoffs for the first time that they've had the opportunity within this league. So interesting to see. The Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets split a series at home against the Liberty Flames in the Atlanta Ice Forum, losing game one 4-1, to one, but they had a very strong bounce-back performance in game two, five to 5-2 win there a strong team in the conference. Liberty, though, arguably the best collegiate hockey club program in the country. Just an incredible program. Uh, the atmosphere there in La Hague and Lynchburg is unbelievable. Say what you will about Liberty, the university, but they have some great support of their club hockey team. So that sort of tells you all you need to know about Georgia Tech. This is a group that can contend with high class programs and even take it to them in a five to two win. So Good to see that Auburn in that upcoming series in Macon, which we'll be talking about a little bit later on the show with Noah Henry, has a good test ahead of them against the Georgia Tech team that they'll be playing. Last thing here, really, before we kind of continue our annual dunking on the Tennessee Volunteers. uh. We had a little bit of an upset. The number 25 South Carolina Gamecocks swept the number nine Florida Gators in the Plex in South Carolina. SC, intimidating home crowd to play against. Auburn going to be going on the road there in the near future. They sell out that barn within a couple minutes of posting tickets online. Those fans are rabid. They're nasty. They're going to get right up on you. It's, It's a tough place to play uh i can't imagine that that really did any favors for florida but sc is no joke this is a team that's now eight one and one on the season they've been a good team for the past few years uh plenty of smack talk on social media between them and some other teams that they play too good program just doing a great job of growing hockey in the south so we'll be good to see auburn go and play them on the road that same weekend that they play auburn football uh sc plays auburn football in Columbia. And then last but not least, well, I should say that, but they are decidedly least. Uh, I'm a noted Tennessee Volunteers hater. Uh, good program in Knoxville there, but just a woeful season for them. Para losses to Clemson on the road. They gave up eight goals in each game, coming off of a sweep against uh, getting swept by Auburn in Columbus. Just a tough scene for Tennessee. Back to the bottom of the conference for them after it seemed like they were making some really solid progress and headway recently as a program. So just disheartening stuff for them. I, I can't say honestly that I hope that they turn it around because I live to see the Vols lose, but it's it's always good when uh, Tennessee is good, hockey is better when they are good. So we're going to head to the break, and when we come back to close out the show, we've got a great interview with Mr. Noah Henry tied for the team lead for your Auburn Tigers on the ice with six points in six games. Great player, great young player who's going to be part of this team for a long time. All that coming up next. All right, we are back from break. And here with me, my aforementioned guest, Mr. Noah Henry from the Auburn hockey team tied for the team lead in points scored. Coming off of that tough overtime loss on Friday to the University of Georgia Ice Dogs. I have him here just to talk about some hockey, specifically some Auburn hockey, maybe a little bit of NHL towards the end, and to ask him some questions. Noah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. It's good to be here.
1: It's Uh, great to be here.
0: Nice weather out this morning, so good on my walk over here.
1: Absolutely. It's always nice when it's sunny
0: out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Appreciate you coming on the show today. I know that you guys are really busy with practice school playing games all of that different stuff and then also you know just having some student life outside of all of that so appreciate you making the time to come out here today absolutely yeah all right so let's kind of hop into these questions here you guys are coming off of a rough loss to Georgia but I sort of want to talk about the positives from that game first you go up to nothing really early got a good crowd at that game uh this is a rivalry game that you've never had the opportunity to play in before. Kind of walk us through what was that like? What was the feeling going into the locker room, uh, coming out of that really great first period in front of all of those awesome home fans?
1: Um, yeah, I mean it was it was a great feeling being up two zero after the first. There, um, you know, I mean that was the most that was the most packed we've had the uh, the arena so far this year, and it was it was great to to get up on Georgia, especially, you know, with all the promotion for, you know, the border war, I believe it was called, or the battle of the border. Um, yeah, it was, um, you know, coming away with two in the first was really, it was big. There was some really good energy in the locker room. Um, everyone was buzzing a bit. Um, yeah.
0: Absolutely. I, I can't imagine that you walk out of a period where you go up 2 nothing and feel anything other than ecstatic. That's <laughs> that, that just seems about right. So, yeah, it was the border war. This is the first time that this game was really marketed as such. Can you kind of talk about what it felt like? I mean, you see posters for the game on campus or downtown. You see that the office staff is sort of doing some work to promote this rather than it just being another game. Does that, as a player, change maybe how you feel about going into a game or is it just you take it like every other game regardless?
1: Absolutely. I mean, it, um, you know, you feel, you feel different walking into the rink. Um, you feel, you feel a certain energy and like, you know, in the, in the building. And, um, but when it comes to our preparation, we take it like any other game. We all have our rituals. We all have our superstitions, things that we do the exact same every single time. I know I have mine and, um, you know, we just, we follow our, our pregame plan to a T and, you know, we go out there and we do our best
0: for sure. Uh, we, we saw a goal, the second goal of the game, from the captain, Blake Robeson. You're a newer addition to the team. Can you sort of talk about what his leadership brings to that locker room, what it's like to play with him, a guy who has been here for his entire Auburn career as a high-scoring forward, somebody who has gone to the playoffs and won, and then a guy, too, who can sort of get those gritty goals, also tied for the team lead in points now, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Absolutely, yeah, Roby. Uh, he's a he's a really great guy. Um, he brings he brings a great energy in the locker room. He gets the boys going. Um, he's loud. He's he's vocal, and that's you know that's what a captain should be. He should be the one who rallies the guys behind him. Um, and I mean, he works yeah, he works harder than almost anyone on the ice. Um, you know, he's always first on the forward check. He's moving his feet constantly, and you know, as you saw, I mean, he battled against three guys to tap that puck in back door there. Um, for the second goal, and, um, you know, I mean, he, he really wants it. He, you can see how much he does want it when he steps on the ice, when he's in the locker room, even on the bench,
0: you know, he's always vocal, and it's it's really great to see. Definitely a leadership group that wants to win badly. You can tell Brandon Weiss Ryan Scott, and the aforementioned captain, Blake Robeson, all guys who have been here for a little bit, who have been through some hard times with Auburn hockey, specifically through the pandemic, and now are getting the chance to fight for the top of the conference and get a crack at going back to the SEC-HC playoffs and making a bit of a run there. Let's talk about some of the not-so-great stuff from this Georgia game. Unfortunately, the team goes down in overtime, three to two loss after giving up two goals in the second period back to back a little bit of fluky uh, pair of goals there and then the three on three didn't really go the way that Auburn wanted I think it'd be fair to say that Georgia mostly controlled the play and then ends up putting a puck in the back of the net what do you take away from that game in terms of Something to learn heading into a weekend series in Macon that's going to be very big for in conference play. You have two in conference opponents that you're going to be facing off against. Is there something that you can walk away from that Georgia game, even in a loss, and say, okay, we're going to do this differently next time? We will never make that same mistake again.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we, uh, the past, I think it was seven games, we've had four of them that have let up. We put up two goals and, you know, we've kind of let off the gas a bit and they've the other team has started to crawl back into it and um i think we've realized that if we can put up more than two goals we can, you know 3 4 however many we would be set to we're on track to win that game um you know it's it's once we get up two, i think we start to we start to relax a bit and um you know we start to try and do you know selfish not exactly selfish but I guess more selfish plays. We start playing for ourselves, trying to get cool goals, you know, dangles, all that sort of stuff. And um, you know, if we really just stick to our game plan and keep doing what we've been practicing, uh, we we put up more than two, we'll be fine. And that's that's probably the biggest takeaway from this is you know, as long as we can get up by you know that three goal differential or more, um, that's that's key for us.
0: Absolutely. I mean, this is a team where in that opening road series in Daytona, I think you kind of saw, okay, there's some defensive structure issues. There's some issues with executing the system, particularly when it comes to the second pass on breakouts and then some problems with consistency on forechecking. Make sure that you're not getting too over aggressive, but also applying consistent pressure. Since then, we've seen a lot of development. And the Georgia game, while a hard lesson, a hard pill to swallow – serves as another kind of stinging reminder of, okay, we we go into the second period, we're up two goals and we relax a little bit. We let a team that we know has plenty of skill, plenty of juice, get back into the game and then end up losing that. That's They, they say that failure is the best teacher because it sticks in your memory a little bit better than success even does. And I think that will ring true for Auburn going forward. This is a good team. This is a talented team. This is a team that plays really great defense they held probably the best offense in the conference to three goals in the game, and it took an extra period in order to get there. So it's it's stinging, obviously, but I think your words ring very true there that this is a group that's learning how to play as a team, and I've seen that as a spectator and as a commentator. So hopefully going forward into, again, a very big in-conference series, we will see that improvement take place where guys take from this the lessons that they should be taking speaking of that in conference play let's talk a little bit about these upcoming opponents I don't want to spend too much time on this because looking ahead obviously you haven't played these guys yet you don't know exactly what to expect but uh, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets are your next opponent you're going to be playing them in the Macon Coliseum for the Macon Veterans Memorial Cup a great series for a great cause money going to veterans in need awesome stuff that the Macon Mayhem put on. What do you think that you can kind of expect against this Georgia Tech team? This is a group that's got a couple of the top scorers in the conference and then also some excellent goaltending, but they've not played against Auburn yet, so it's a little bit difficult. The SEC-HC, you don't know exactly what to expect when there's not a lot of film present on other teams. Uh, Sort of walk us through what sort of preparation you're going to be undertaking in order to get ready for this game.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, we're going to keep, keep going in practice. Um, you know, we're going to keep working our absolute hardest. We're going to work on our, on our systems a lot too. Uh, making sure we're sound in the defensive zone. Um, you know, it's, it might end up being that we spend some time there. We might spend even more time in the offensive zone too. And, um, you know, I think our preparation should just be, it should be consistent with how we've been doing it. Um, you know, we're going to try to find as much video as we can, if there is any, um, of Georgia Tech and uh, try to analyze some of their plays, what they like to do, what their preferences on the power play, penalty kill, etc. And, um, you know, we just we go into the game, minds focused, you know, ready to focus on the task at hand and and do our jobs and get the job done.
0: Absolutely. I think. You kind of said it earlier in the show, but you don't particularly adjust your approach in practice or preparation for any one team. You just go about it the same way, work hard, make sure that you're doing your due diligence and having all the information you can have. That's what any professional athlete should do, and I'm I'm glad that even at the amateur level and the club level, we're seeing the same level of dedication from you guys too. So should be a great game against Georgia Tech. I mean – that's a rivalry that extends a while back in football. I don't know that the same animosity extends on the ice, but uh, I believe we quoted Brandon Weiss a couple days ago as saying it doesn't really matter once you get punched in the mouth on the ice. Everybody hates each other all of a sudden. So uh, for sure, that'll be a good game. The second game of that series, though, that weekend series is what I'm a little bit more excited about, and that's a rematch with the Florida State Seminoles. This is a team... For those who don't know, who are towards the bottom of the conference right now, that Auburn had a little bit of a difficult result against in Daytona. Auburn sits at 3-0-2 in SEC-HC play on the season currently. Uh, that other overtime loss that they took was against, or I believe, sorry, 2-0-2 in SEC-HC play, my mistake, Uh But that other overtime loss that they took was against the Florida State Seminoles. In that game, Auburn outshot Florida State by, I believe, 40-something shots. Uh, It was, I believe, like 61 shots to 25 or something insane like that. And ended up coming away with a 2-2 tie in regulation and then a loss in overtime on the stat sheet. Really tough result. Um, and I saw afterwards some Florida State players were talking some smack on social media. Uh, I know that you would prepare for every game the same, but you did talk about earlier getting up a little different for Georgia. There's a different energy surrounding a game. Florida State, maybe not per se a big rivalry game, but this is an opportunity to find some redemption from a tough loss early in the season. How do you personally and then how does the team come into this game feeling is there any sort of different aggressive mentality or mentality where it's like we have to take the win in this one and we're gonna do whatever it takes to get it
1: yeah absolutely I mean you know that was a really tough loss at down in daytona but um we've grown a lot since then uh, we've improved a ton um, we've started to figure out you know who who works best with who um, as, like, line mates and D-pairings and such like that. And, um, you know, going into this, we, we really have a chip on our shoulder. Um, it's it's really tough to be tying a team that's closer to the bottom of the standings when we, as, you know, we've seen last weekend, we can compete with the team that's, you know, first. And, um, you know, in hockey and as in any sport, anyone can, anyone can beat anyone. Um, but we cannot go in to this game expecting, you know, an easy one. Um, kudos to their goalie down in Florida. I mean, he stood on his head. Um, he played himself an unreal game and, um, you know, his, if we keep peppering him with shots, you know, we keep, keep doing what we were doing, aggressive on the four check, having solid tra- neutral zone transitions, solid breakouts. Um, you know, if we keep peppering him, I think, I think, uh, a few will squeak by and, uh, we'll get up and, but there's definitely a big, a big chip on our shoulder here. And, um, You know, like I said before, that preparation does stay the same, but there's a little bit of a different mentality walking into the rink thinking, you know, these guys almost, these guys did get us last time. You know, we can't let that happen again. So,
0: absolutely. I think it might have been a hard lesson for this team to learn, but again, another valuable one. You lose to a team that you don't think you should lose to. Okay. You walk away from that thinking, what? we have to work harder in practice. We need to make sure that we're doing the little things that we're not letting off the gas or even overlooking an opponent. I don't think that's exactly what happened in that game. Just an unreal game from Elvaso, who was their goaltender. I believe that was his first start of the season. So Florida state team that looked kind of rough coming into that game, maybe got a little bit of a different jump because they had that goaltending performance, but this is a good Auburn team. um, And I've seen the tangible improvement since that game, particularly when it comes to making sure that there's consistency in the way that things are being executed. So I won't be shocked if you guys go down there and you put the herd on Florida State rather than it being a close game. But as you said, hockey, game of bounces, very tight game, often a game of parity even within something as disparate as the SEC HC, where you can see teams with a plus – 80 goal differential through a couple weeks and a (laughs) minus 60 goal differential. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. I hope that you guys get the best results that you can possibly get. Weekend sweep would be fantastic, especially when it comes to heading into sort of the end of the spring season. You're gonna or not the spring season, the fall season. You're gonna be going into a really difficult environment in South Carolina too after that week, which should be an interesting experience for you. I think that might be a little bit of a welcome to the league moment potentially because you haven't particularly seen one of the more rabid fan bases in the SEC HC so far, although we had a good crowd at that Georgia game, but uh, yeah, they, the, the Gamecock fans are a little bit wild. So you'll get that experience. I'd love to have one of you guys back on the show after that week to hear about what that was like. Uh, But Moving on from there a little bit, I just want to sort of close out the show with some more personal stuff. People need to get to know the players on this team. You guys are all fantastic, great people. Uh, I've really enjoyed working alongside you in the early going of this season. Tell us about who Noah Henry is. How, how did you get into playing hockey? What are some good memories that you can sort of share with the listeners of this show and this podcast?
1: Um, yeah, I, um, I, I got into hockey Well, I was, I was what, two and a half, three years old. And, uh, my dad brought home the movie Mighty Ducks and I was hooked from there. I had my first skating lesson the next week and, um, you know, it just kind of set off from there. And now 17 years later, here I am, I'm playing, playing for Auburn University for the hockey team here and I'm absolutely loving it. Um, you know what I mean? Some of the best moments I've had, um, I, at boarding school uh, I played hockey at boarding school up in Culver Indiana at uh, Culver academies and we made it to the national tournament twice um, you know winning our our district championships and that was our first one we won in overtime the second one we won in regulation and it was I mean the feeling of just you know that that holy crap we're moving on you know we're we're our season's still alive it's it's a great feeling. Um, you know, and I, I got the chance to do that again, uh, to do that before, actually. I went to boarding school with the uh, the TPH Thunder program out of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, we went to nationals at Anchorage, Alaska, winning the Southeast District to get there. And, um, I mean, it's just, it's such a great feeling, um, you know, winning, winning out your district, going on and being part of the top 16 teams in the country, you know, competing for a chance at a national title. Um, you know, that's one of the best, that's just one of the best feelings. Nothing beats it.
0: Absolutely. This is an Auburn program that hasn't found a ton of playoff success prior to this group uh, who have sort of become the veteran core showing up. I might be incorrect on this, but I believe Auburn didn't have a playoff win prior to this group coming here. And then now they have that playoff win under their belt, finally defeating, upsetting actually, South Carolina in a double overtime classic in the 2019 postseason prior to the pandemic really hitting just sort of talk a little bit about what would it mean to go to the postseason with the Auburn Tigers in your first year? And maybe do you have an end goal uh, that you're sort of shooting for in your time here at the university that you're striving for as one of the younger players on this team?
1: Yeah, I mean getting getting to the playoffs is is huge. You know, I mean, all the younger guys, we really want to do it for the vets who are here. You know, the guys who it's there, you know, they might have one more year left or they might have no years left. Um, you know, their their time here is coming to a close, and we really want to get there for them. We want to win that SEC championship and go on to the CHF and, and you know, perform our absolute best there and come away with a national championship. I think that's our that's realistically our end goal. Um, you know, I mean, most guys on the team – um, pretty much everyone actually for that matter. It's, it's, it's very team driven. No one really has, you know, personal goals. You know, most of the guys, we don't really care as long as the team's winning. We don't really care how many points we end up with goals, etc. as long as the team is winning. And if you, whatever, you know, we can do to help the boys win is, is the most important. So.
0: Absolutely. I mean, this is hockey culture, say what you will about it. There are some things that might need to be cleaned up, but at the end of the day, it's probably one of the more selfless sports when it comes to the play on the ice and off the ice, too. These are guys who care about each other, who just want to see the team succeed, and they, they care more about uh, the name on the front than the name on the back, so to speak, stealing a little bit of a line from Miracle there. But that's, that's some interesting stuff and great personality stuff from you there, too. I think it gives a little insight into – just how badly this group wants to win. And you're going to be a guy who's part of this program for a little while to come. So should be exciting to see how you track positively. And as Auburn grows as a program, you should be grown as a player too. So excited to see all of that. Let's wrap things up a little bit with a brief bit of NHL talk, because that's what usually a lot of this show ends up being. Uh, there's a decent amount to talk about around the SECHC, but sometimes you got to talk a little bit about the big leagues, the show. You know how it goes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, which what an unfortunate (laughs) predicament to be in. That's so tough. Kind of walk us through how'd you end up becoming a Leafs fan? What are some memorable experiences you've had with that? Favorite players? What's the (laughs) kind of opinion on the way the team is playing right now? Not winning a whole lot. Coming off of I believe, a tough loss last night to the L.A. Kings. Just just sort of this is your open space to talk about the Leafs and your relationship with them here.
1: Yeah. Um, well, you know, I always tell people when they ask me, if, like, what, what team I'm a fan of, I say I'm a Maple Leafs fan at first. And then when I realize they actually, you know, really do know hockey, I say I'm an Atlanta Thrashers fan. Um, that's, you know, deep down truly what I am. Um, unfortunately, when the Thrashers moved to Winnipeg, I uh, – I just, I couldn't stick with them. You know, they, they got rid of almost all the players except for three, and now I think there's only one one current player in the NHL who played for the Thrashers at one point. Um, so, you know, I, I switched to Toronto. I've always been a big fan of the culture around Toronto, around the, the Leafs and, you know, the fan base. It's always extremely dedicated. You know, I mean, <laughs> the Maple Leafs have gone through some pretty tough times in the past years. Um, you know, it's uh, it's... It was rough, uh, you know, one of the biggest memories I remember. It wasn't exactly a good one. Um, I was at the Air Force Academy for a summer camp, for a hockey camp out there, and um, we were all watching uh, Game 7 against the Boston Bruins. I believe it was 2013, I want to say, um, when they lost in Game 7. Um, that was that was tragic. Bruins ended up going on, I believe uh, – yeah, the Bruins kept going. Um, you know, it was really tough for us. Uh <laughs> it was um that was a tough one. I remember watching it and just uh, you know, getting all the hate for it. <laughs> but um yeah, I mean my I mean I've always liked Austin Matthews the way he plays. Um, you know, I mean he's got an incredible shot, and quick release. Um and, you know, him paired with Mitch Marner on the power play, I mean they're that's they're one of the best dynamic duos in the league, maybe other than Stamkos and Kucherov. So, um yeah.
0: Tough times to be a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. I mean, you could probably apply that to the past five decades now, something like that. But uh, really tough recently with all of the talent that the team has and seeing them still fall short. But hopefully this ends up being the year. A little bit of trouble with defense and some aging concerns with specifically Justin Hall and a little bit with Jake Muzzin. Morgan Riley not playing his best game so far, but – Good goaltending in the form of Jack Campbell, Mr. Soupy himself, and some stability, too, in Morazic. Whenever he's been healthy, he's been good. And obviously still that ample talent up front from John Tavares to Marner to Matthews to Nylander. So it'll be an interesting season, to say the least. Yeah that that's uh that's for sure. I mean, you know, it was a, it was
1: a tough start. You know, we dropped a bunch of games right off the beginning of the season and uh, started to battle back a bit. Um, you know, re-signing Riley was big for us too. Um, you know, locking him in for for quite a few more years. Um, you know, it's uh it's a long season. I mean, it's an 87 game season. You know, it's we got we have a long time, or they, I guess, <laughs> they have a long time to, um, you know, to start developing the chemistry between the team and, you know, figuring out uh, how to get past the first round.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I, <laughs> the, Leafs, the Leafs are always a little bit of a riot to watch just because you watch them lose two games out of three and you'd think that there's a meteor about to strike the earth and wipe out human life as we know it or something along those lines. That's how it goes. So, it's been a blast having you on here. Yeah, it's been it's been great coming on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I always like to wrap up an interview with this question specifically for an Auburn athlete, and this is kind of a toughie. I know I didn't prep you for this before the show, but what does Auburn mean to you?
1: Uh, that's, actually, that's an interesting question. Um, I mean, so far in my experience, I've only been here for you know, a few months. Um, it's it's just been family to me um, you know I mean meeting all the guys on the team you know how we've come together so quickly and you know really built bonds you know just in an instant almost um, you know it's been it's been awesome and seeing a student section at the game uh, you know this past weekend that was that was so cool um, I I've never had a student section at a game but I at a college game obviously before um, had one in high school and you know juniors was a little different but um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was it's to me, it's family. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, it's it, you know, whenever someone says War Eagle, you know, you could say that anywhere in the world and someone would say it back. The Auburn family is absolutely massive. You know, the network of alumni and current students, parents, everything of that sort. It's it's absolutely massive. Um, And it's it's really incredible to see and be a part of.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Noah. Do you have anything else to say to people? Where can people find you on social media, stuff like that? If you want to throw that out there.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I guess uh, you can follow my Instagram at uh noah.henry7. Um, that's that's what I'm mostly on. Um Yeah, um you know, I mean, it's it's a long season ahead with the boys, but um, you know, you should expect to see us expect to see us get to. This, to towards the top of the rankings 100%. So, we'll be up there soon enough.
0: Excited to watch you guys ascend to the top of the conference. Especially in my time here, it's going to be exciting. Huge hockey fan, so as Auburn hockey continues to grow, I'll I'll just be following along the whole way and covering you guys and having you on the show. So, hopefully this is a good sign of things to come. This again has been an interview with Mr. Noah Henry of Auburn Hockey usually wearing number three. We'll see if that ends up going for the rest of the season. But uh, absolute snipe show, great player. So come out to the games to watch him. This is not a call to action. Let's make that clear. But he's he's an exciting guy and box office, scored a couple of great goals against Tennessee. So uh, be sure to follow him and do all of that different stuff too. All right, thank you, Noah. Thank you.